Good morning. I'm Cameron. I'm the community life pastor here, and uh, I am so glad to be here with you. Are you guys good? You doing good? It is a great, how great is that song? Oh, reckless love. That's kind of what we're talking about today. And uh, when Matt and I started planning out the series and, and thinking about this, I was just so excited about this week being in conjunction with Live Love Week and everything that we have going on and being able to talk about God's love. And that's what we're, we're going to do today. But we've been in this series. If you were here last week, we're continuing in the series uh, called The Gospel. And euangelion is the word in, in Greek, which means Good news. So that's, we have these signs. Hey, it's, it's good news. Uh, but we've been exploring, like, why? Why is it good news? And how does it change me and change my environment? And how do I live out that good news and, and share that good news with other people? And so last week, Ryan was talking about God entered into the story through Jesus, through flesh and blood. He, he moved into the neighborhood. And that's really the grounds of what we are calling the gospel. We're use, using a book by Bruxy Cavey, uh, Reunion, to set up this idea of the gospel. And he gives us the gospel in one word is? Jesus. Oh, some of you got it wrong, but I appreciate the confidence. <laughs> appreciate the confidence. Yeah. Gospel in three words Jesus is Lord, I heard some of you say it. And really, like, how do we center our lives and our minds around Jesus? And then we keep expanding it. So the gospel in 30 words, anybody want to try? <laughs> it's that Jesus is God with us. Come to show us God's love. Save us from sin. Set up God's kingdom. And shut down religion so that we can share in God's life. And last week, we explored kind of the grounds, the foundation of the good news, which is Jesus moving in. But now we're kind of to, to what we call the gifts of the gospel, the gifts of the good news, what Jesus essentially does for us that we cannot do for ourselves. And so today we're exploring, like, what is God's love look like. And so we're going to be, if you have a Bible, turn to Mark uh, 4. That's where we're going to be today. Uh, Mark chapter 4, the gospel according to Mark chapter 4. But first, I have a story. You guys like stories? And this one's personal for me. So um, my son, his name is Knox. He's six years old. And yesterday, he played his very first soccer game. So there, isn't he so cute? <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, it was such a fun day, but we have had a couple of weeks of practice, and I've been, I, this is good news, because both myself and his mother played soccer, and so to see him jump into soccer and to love it, like to love it as much at the end of the game as he did at the beginning of the game, that was, that was good, right? And, and we, we've been taking him to practice, and, and it is just so entertaining watching kids chase bugs and not focus at all on soccer. And it's so fun. And the other night, he got in the car, in the van, and he was sitting in the back, and we're driving, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Knox goes, there's a moth in the van. Like, he announced it, there's a moth. And he goes, oh, never mind, I crushed it with my fingers. <laughs> okay. There are news, there's news that you hear that you're like, oh, that's, that's big news. If you would have said there's a bee in the van, we would be in trouble, right? 
you know, pull off to the side of the road. There's a moth. Like, what's a moth going to do? Oh, he crushed it with his fingers. And then, as a parent, you're thinking, what's next? Right? Is he going to eat it? Is he going to smear it all on the back of the seat? I don't know. Like, is, he, is there some sort of sickness that comes from a moth that, you know, like you start worrying? And, but then I wasn't expecting what came out of my son's mouth. He said, Dad, what are moths for? It kind of took me by surprise. Like, I have no idea. What are moths for? And I said, what? He said, like, what were moths created to do? He said, as a six-year-old, I was like, I have a prodigy as a son. <laughs> like, this is a very profound question. What were moths created to do? And I said, I'm going to have to look that up, bud. I just, I just don't know. But as a good pastor, parent, I was, okay, I'm going to prod a little bit. What do you think you were created for? And he said, I was created to play Star Wars. <laughs> and I gave him an A plus, right? Yes, that's what you were created for. And I prodded him a little bit more. And eventually we got to this realization that he, he kind of said, now, now I, I, I directed the conversation because I'm his father, right? As a parent, we can do that and helping them clarify what it looks like. He said, I was created to love, you know, and, and love you and mom and, and my brother, which is very important, and my sister, which is very, very important, and, and to love God. And, and so we, we were created for that. And then he said, yes, we were also created to die. Yes, that too. We were created to live and then to die. But what do we do with that short period of time that we have on the earth? What are we to do with this? And how is the gospel influencing what we do with that short period of time that we have on earth? Enter Jesus and the good news from the gospel of Mark. So Jesus, he was famous for a lot of things, we know, but one of the things he's most famous for is telling good stories. So we're going to explore a story that Jesus tells us, and, um, and I love this story, and and it, I think it opens up so much for us when we think about, like, who is God and how does he love us? So Mark chapter 4, verse 3, Jesus starts with this. Listen. That's a great way to start a story. Listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came, and they ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. All right, y'all, see you next week. <laughs> Jesus literally stopped the story at that point. Like, hey, 
listen. I told you to listen. And the word he actually used when he said listen is akuo. Can you say akuo? Good job. Greek, akuo. Listen. Also translated here. And in the Bible, you'll see it. Listen, here. Listen, here. They interchange it. It basically means pay attention. And he said it at the beginning, but he also said it at the end, right? Whoever has ears to listen, like, listen. Jesus says this again and again, but he's also doing something here. A couple chapters later, somebody comes to Jesus and said, what's the greatest commandment? If we could just choose one, distill the entire Bible down to one thing, what could we do? And he gave two, but he started by quoting a prayer that the Jewish people would have known, the Shema, which starts, listen. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Lord our God, he is one. And then love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two greatest commands. And so as soon as he says akuo, in Greek is how it's translated, but as soon as he spoke in Aramaic, that word, they all would have been tuned in. Ah, he's talking about something really, really, really important. But if you're like me, and sometimes you don't understand what Jesus is trying to get across, like the disciples, they were confused. And they, they said, Jesus, like, can you explain this to us? We don't understand what this story means. And, and obviously, it's really important because you said akuo. You know, you said to listen and hear and pay attention. So he explains it to them kind of begrudgingly. He's like, how do you not understand this parable? Verse 13, how then will you understand any parable or story that I talk, tell you? In verse 14, he says, the farmer so here's, here's a glimpse into Jesus' storytelling. We get to see, what is he actually saying here? The farmer sows the word. Now notice, last week, what did we talk about? What is the word? Jesus. And the word took on flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Oh, isn't that interesting? The farmer sows the word. Do you have ears? Listen. Pay attention right? Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan, often translated the accuser, the enemy, comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like the seed on the rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. (laughs) They're excited, yes, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke out the word. Mm, Do you have ears? Listen. Making it unfruitful. Others like the seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Now, a lot of us have probably heard this parable. It's actually in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So we know, like, this is an important story. It's recorded three times in the good news about Jesus. This was an important story. And he ends it with like, listen, pay attention, 
Like, consider it. Dwell on it. And, and, and the more I do, the more I come to recognize this is a story about God's generous love. And the, the starting point when I was growing up, I, I first read this, the first time I heard this parable, somebody asked me, well, what soil are you? What soil am I? I, I don't know. You know, I, I want to be the good soil, but sometimes I feel like the thorny soil. Sometimes I feel like the rock, you know, and, and so not the rock, like it's the rock, but a rocky <laughs> soil. But I think that's the wrong starting point. Jesus could have easily interpreted his own story by saying, here are the four soils. But he didn't. He started with the farmer. Now, I grew up in Kansas, in the heartland, in the farmland. Amen. Okay, yes. <laughs> Thank you for that. And here's something ironic. I am probably, not probably, most likely, oh, most definitely, the worst farmer in here. I guarantee you the only thing that will grow in my yard are weeds. <laughs> and they're all over the place. So if you want weeds, you can come to my house, you can pick them, I'll, I'll give you a couple bucks and we can call it a day. Um, but I am not, I'm not a farmer, I'm not a gardener. I have a black thumb, not a green thumb. And yet, I know, as you probably know, what a weird way to plant a garden by spreading the seed all over the place. Okay? We're going to take some, throw it on the rocks, put it on the path, you know? No! You don't plant a garden that way. You find the good soil. And you say, oh, this is the good soil. This is the spot. I'm going to plant my garden. But God doesn't do that. He scatters his seed. It's like he's just like overflowing, fill it up till it's full, God, and then it's rushing out. God is generous. It's not just, hey, here, here are my chosen people. It's not like that anymore. Their goal, the chosen people, was to spread God's good news and love around the world. Did they do that? No, they did not do that. Instead, they, they kind of botched it. And so Jesus said, I'm going to enter in to the story, and I'm going to show them just how generous and loving God is. I love this. Bruxy Cavey, in that book, Reunion, says, God's love for us is so generous that if it were expressed in human terms, it would seem out Outlandish. I love that word, outlandish. And we try, we try with our words to describe just how generous and loving and reckless and beautiful God's love is, and nothing we do can really ever add up to just how great and abundant God's love is. From the very beginning, he created out of his love. He, he continues to pursue us out of his love. The apostle John who was one of Jesus' best friends, one of the top three. He was invited with Jesus constantly to go into places that not all the disciples were able to go. And so you want to get close to the source? John is as close as, as it gets to, to that source of Jesus living on the earth. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, John says, says this, Dear friends, 
Actually, translate, better translated, beloved ones, you are loved by God. Those who are loved by God. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. God is love. It's his essence. Everything he does comes from his generous love. God doesn't do anything that does not come from love. When we say God is just, he's just because of his love. When we say God is powerful, he's powerful because of his love. When we say God is merciful, it's because of his love. Generous. When you say he's grace-filled, when we say he's sovereign, whatever character trait you want to say about God, it's rooted in his love. It flows out of his love. You and I were created out of his love. And it's beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? That God loves his creation. He even loves the moth, right? (laughs) So what are we to do with that love? That's the question. What are we to do with that love? And, and when Jesus himself translates the story, interprets it for us, he talks about the good soil. The good soil is the one who hears and accepts. You see, the starting point for good soil, if we want to be good soil, is not to perform, it's to receive It's not about how high I can jump. It's not about how tall or handsome I am. It's not how many times I prayed to God for his love that he loved me. No, God loves me. It's not about performing, but receiving God's love. It's not about how many disciplines you've you've carved into your life. Yeah, that helps. It helps us live into that love, but it's not going to give you God's love. God's love has already been scattered all over the world, all over everybody and everything he loves. You see, the life that we're seeking, the life is in the seed, not in the soil. Do you have ears? Listen, yeah, the seed is is the life. God's love is the life, not the soil. Just receive that life. In Romans 5, 8, the apostle Paul says this, but God demonstrates, notice the tense of that. God demonstrates, not demonstrated, God demonstrates present and future always his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I like to say, while we were still ugly, (laughs) Christ wanted to date us. While we were still blemished, Christ came near us. And he entered into this story to show us God's love. 
And some of you need to hear that today. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter who you think you are, you are beloved by God. He loves you. And Paul goes on to say later in Romans, nothing you can do will make God love you any less. Nothing can separate you from God's love. Not even death itself can separate you from God's love. And that kind of love, when we allow it, when we receive it, it changes us. When we receive God's word into our hearts, the good news of his love, it begins to transform us and change us. You know, I was thinking about the other day, before my wet my, <laughs> I don't know what I was gonna say right there. <laughs> Let's back up. Before I met my wife, Kelly, I was not as loving as I am today. Her love and her care for people, me seeing the way she loved her friends and her family and those people who I thought were very far from God, changed me. To see her loving the people around her and serving in ministries, that, like I didn't even think about that, it changed me. I credit much of the man that I am, as we should, men, to, to my wife. <laughs> mm, yes, amen. <laughs> but not that, I, I, not only that, I, I'm inspired by the person putting the, the shopping carts away. I'm inspired by the person dropping balloons off to the person who had a bad, bad birthday. I'm inspired by the kind of love that we see in the lobby here and throughout the week as we get together and share meals together and get in groups and talk about God's word. I'm inspired by the way you love one another. I'm also inspired by the way we love the world as we should be. We should be inspired by that. And that's how, honestly, that's how we should respond. I love this quote, another quote by Bruxy Cavey. You're going to hear a lot of those throughout this series. But he says this, how can we respond to God's love? What can we give him in return? Because it feels inadequate, doesn't it? Like he loved us so much, how do we actually respond to that love? He said, all God asks is that we believe, that we trust that this is true that we take the risk of accepting his love, and it is risky. It is risky to accept his love. You don't know where it's going to take you or how big the dreams are going to be or where he's going to lead you on that path or on that journey. It is risky in accepting his love for us and allowing that love to change us. Mm. It will change us. And change us it will, is what Bruxy says. The change will be so thorough, so transforming, that it will be like moving from death to life, from perishing to rescue, from separation to intimacy, and from loneliness to love. You see, the byproduct of someone who has encountered Jesus' love is a transformed person learning to love like Jesus. 
when I encounter Jesus' love, I begin to be like, it's like a bubbling inside of you that begins to burst out. It should be, it should be the word planted inside of us that germinates and grows and grows and grows. So we have no, no reason to do anything but through love. Everything we do, just as everything God does, should be motivated by love. But it takes time, just like gardens take time. Just like gardens take time. And so what we do is we receive Jesus' love. We allow it to get rooted deep inside of us, not adding on to my agenda, not just, hey, you know what? I'm going to go and do something loving this week. I'm going to add it and so I can check off the box. No, he says, like, live from a center of love and deep inside of you so that now everything that you do is rooted in that and comes out as an expression of that love. You're not just going to the store or the grocery market anymore. You're going there in love. You're not just going to teach or going to lead your staff meeting or going down the halls of school. You're going there in love. And you have the power of love, the great, powerful warrior of love and God behind you. And he's motivating you. And he's breathing you out into the world. This is God's plan for us, is to be agents of God's love. And that devotion grows not by duty, but by desire as we encounter God's love, as we receive it. I want to do good things because I've encountered God's love. In John, the Gospel of John, Jesus says this, a new command I give you. And it's new because it seems so new when Jesus says it, when the medium is the message. Okay? Not only is he there talking about God's love, he is God's love. He's the visible component of God's love. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And it's not a burden. It's not a burden, it's a gift to enter into that flow of love that has been there from the very beginning. It's a gift. John Tyson says this, we're not manufacturers of God's love. Uh, we're not manufacturers of God's love, we're distributors of God's love. Mm. Once you receive it, allow it to work inside of you, deep inside of you, and, and listen, it takes time. We're so quick to jump into, okay, this is what I got to do, and I got to love this many people in this amount of time, and here's what it's going to look like, and, and everybody's going to at the end say, yeah, woohoo, you know, be different, live love, and, and we're going to throw a big party. We're saying, no, you know what? Like, God's working inside of me, and, and like Ryan said, it starts to ooze out, which is, is not something that goes fast, right? Ooze, it takes time, and it goes out. And Jesus follows up this parable by saying, you are called to be a light on the hill. I love that. And then he talks about, like, allowing the seed to continue to grow will begin to be transformed into disciples who love Jesus. So, 
we finally get to the four soils. Because this is important, four soils. How are you responding to God's love? There's the path. Never really listening or seeking growth in Jesus. Okay? Hey, I'm on a path. I'm on a journey. And I, I, I don't know about you, but it, it seems like this is just susceptible to the enemy. You never really take time to listen or seek or to slow down and to think about God's love. The rocky soil only wants God's love at certain times and in certain ways. It's on my agenda, my terms, God. The thorns are the competing priorities, worries, and desires. And for us, I, I think that many of us in this room, this is the temptation. This is the one that, that for me at least, like the, the priorities, mispriorities, and, and worrying about life and, and the desires that I see in, in the world. It's like, it's like, oh, it's like God's love's in there, but it's kind of down to the bottom. And he's like, no, shoot that up to the top. Because the good soil is the one that's learning to live from a center of love like Jesus. So it's God's generosity and love spreading through me. This is the question. Am I growing in love and joy and peace? Am I becoming, through Jesus, the kind of good news the world is craving to hear? And that's the question you need to ask. Am I growing in the fruits of the Spirit? Is the Spirit working inside of me to grow and expand God's love so that I can, in turn, show the world the kind of love that God has showed me? And like the disciples, I often get confused or lost along the way. Like, can you explain it to me? And we have a symbol, and that symbol is the cross. Jesus is the way that God invades earth to show us his love. Whenever you find yourself just kind of out there wondering, like, am I loving? How can I get back to God's extravagant love for me? Just look at the flagpole planted in the middle of history that showed the extent that God was willing to go to show you, I love you. I would do anything to bring you home. I love you more than you can ever imagine, ever dream of, ever, ever fathom. I love you so much, I'm willing to go to the cross to demonstrate to you as a symbol just how much I love you. I'm willing to go to death itself to conquer it and provide life, new life in you. 1 John 3.16. John says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. You see, God is pursuing us. He's pursuing us through the cross. He's pursuing us through the grave. He's pursuing us through the resurrection. And our purpose, your purpose, is to receive God's generous love, but also to plant God's love into the world. That's what you were made for. By the way, as the band comes up and we get ready to turn our hearts and worship, I looked up what a moth was made for. 
two primary purposes for a moth. And one of them is to go around to all the flowers and plants and to help them grow, okay? To go and be a part of the growth in the ecosystem of the plants. But they were also created to die as food and sustenance for the other animals, to give their lives up as a sacrifice so the other animals could find nourishment and power and love through them giving up. How beautiful is that, that we can see God's love in every single far-reaching animal, creature, and place of this creation. Wherever you look for it, you will see God's love, and you will see him shouting out your name because he loves you. He really, 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 really loves you. So as we respond and we sing, maybe you just need to gaze at the cross to be reminded of God's love. Maybe you're not feeling God's love today. You need to light a candle to invite his presence. Maybe you need to pray in the back around the rocks and the shallow soil and the thorns of your life that have gotten in the way of you receiving and living out of God's love in your life. Or just write a prayer and put it in the prayer wall. However you respond, respond. Receive God's love and respond. God, we thank you for your love and your generosity in our lives. May we respond to you today and throughout this week. In your name, 